from grain to glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And I'm Katie. And Gordon's here too. Hi. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should interject. But uh, this is the best beer show on the internet. Oh, you wait until you're prompted, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before I get too deep here, I want to give a shout out uh, to, I guess, the American Homebrewers Association. They, they do a lot to support home brewing and uh, home brewers, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Uh, click, uh, click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. Also, I want to give a shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Devin Stinson, and Tyler Romanski. If you'd like to be as awesome as them and our other patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. Uh, being coming a patron means you can watch our beautiful faces... Uh, live. <laughs> uh, There's one some... camera pointed just at me. Yeah, and then one at Gordon, <laughs> like, and then one at me, and then I guess I don't have Katie Cam set up. Oh, so well, here, there's a camera um, sitting next to me. Yeah, we, it's a whole thing. We're in the process of moving, <laughs> and it's been hide a whole, behind whole the issue. Microphone. Uh, yeah. So head over to Patreon.com/slash/BlindStudios and become a patron today. All right, Brian, what have you been up to beer-related lately? I was going to say, first and foremost, if people are sitting in their car listening to this like I do with so many podcasts, they're going to be like, who the fuck is Gordon? <laughs> no, Gordon has been yeah. on shows before. This is my right. third time. And, and Thanks for remembering. So, dude, I see... <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty hard to forget. Uh, for one, I've been trying for years. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. You gave me an email. I'm stuck here now forever. Damn it! I forgot <laughs> about that. I should maybe not say the f word uh, in case somebody's in their car with kids in the back seat, which I am once in a while myself. So I apologize for the swear. Your kids have heard it anyway. But that being said, Jordan, Jordan. Gordon, Gordon. Uh, has been on a few shows, and Who's one Jordan? of them... Jordan's my brother. Yes, Jordan is your brother. Uh, Gordon was on one of the shows that uh, we put together um, a super high-gravity strong beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was um, my big oaf. And so if you've big heard oaf. any episodes... Casey's Bane, depending on who you ask. Right, where we were talking <laughs> about big oaf, that beer sat on tap for months. Three months. Three and a half. In the studio. Long here. time. Hey, I did my best. I drank you drank most of it. I drank a gallon on Nacho Day. I'm sure you did. And some whiskey to sober up. So what have I been doing beer-related? Uh, I was up in um, Grand Marais on vacation, and I, w- I was actually north of Grand Marais, so people were like, oh, so you went to Duluth? And I was like, no, I was like almost well, three hours north of there. Yeah. <laughs> which is really far away from, you know, where we... There's nothing north of Duluth. It's about, what, six hours from here? Five hours? <laughs> it was, it de- <laughs> depends on the traffic on 61 up in, in that area. Cook County is a very popular tourist uh, area. And uh, so up there, oddly enough, uh, the friends that we were, that I was staying with, uh, he had just driven one of his daughters, moved one of his daughters from Las Vegas to Virginia, the state. And he spent the entire thousands of miles driving across the country collecting some interesting beers here and there and uh, definitely have been trying some interesting stuff that I've never tried before. And one of the breweries was called Heavy Seas. I can't remember some of the other ones. Um, But 
yeah, I've had the opportunity to try some 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 stuff that that uh, from one of the you know seven thousand something breweries that are in the United States. Uh, so that's been fun. Uh, been on vacation and. We were just at the garage in River Falls drinking um, Northwestern Wisconsin local yokel beer, and that's pretty much it. All right. Will you pass one of those to Katie, please? Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks. Katie, what have you been up to? Well, um, beer-related, you always talk about how like these fun beers you drink, and I just... <laughs> I drink, I, I'm gonna drink the beer I make, I guess. I have to. Uh, no, for as far as the as the, the brewery goes, we we it's you know this we're doing we're talking about Oktoberfest today, so that that actually is what we've been up to at the brewery. We brew. Yeah. Um, you were a I guess we have what are we a fifth? I guess what, are, what how many barrels we brew? It's a 15 barrel brew house. We have the potential to do 30, so we did 45 barrels of Oktoberfest this week. Um, the 30 and for, a 15 and then mm-hmm. and we have another 30 in tank so yeah. we're hoping you know it's a fine line of figuring out how much should we brew so we can get through it um versus you know you don't that's not beer you want to have after the the people that are drinking you know the consumers that are drinking it during Oktoberfest season you don't want to have that leftover yeah, you know it's just yeah it's just going to sit there. So you, we're the, trying to the find that Oktoberfest should be gone by October. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I, hopefully we've got the, you know, we, you know, uh, Ethan, my co-brewer and I set a date of this beer needs to be packaged. No packaged, no later than whatever date. And hopefully we have got that and it can get on the shelves and people can drink it and it'll be just the right amount through, through the mist of the, um, Oh, how do we even put this through, through the mist of the smoke and mirrors and, and whatnot of marketing, that <laughs> involved in the beer industry, uh, nobody, nobody, everybody wants it in August, and nobody wants it in September or October, rather. For sure, end yeah. of September, like mid yeah. September, end of September. It's like uh, what, yeah. nobody. Well, wants I mean, it to be fair, Oktoberfest is, in, is September, in September, so like, why would yeah. you want it after that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't because it's because I love Meritons. I, I mean, that's true. I would, I would like a good if, if there was a place that like I could get a good Meritson year round. That'd be mm-hmm. nice. I mean, you but. could av- you could you could change the label and just advertise that as a amber lager. And you know, it's true, you know. but there are so many different forms of amber lager, and frankly, the probably the most marketable one is uh, like an alt beer. Mm-hmm. You guys had a Schwartz for a while, right? Yeah. And that was delicious. That was one of the best beers we've ever made. Period. Yeah, it was so good. Was it Saint, Saint Black. Sell. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great beer. See, mm-hmm. And and its shelf life was unreal. Yeah. Well, same with our. We do have an amber lager that we, we sell called Zorro Rojo, and it is the shelf life on that is phenomenal, and it's a great beer. It's just that's not what people are looking for when they. Well, people they are wrong. We do have. There are multiple bars that have our amber lager as a house beer because yeah. it's like. It's the same thing with our Minnesconsin lager, our Hellas lager. It's just like, um, uh, beer flavored beer, please. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, what color do you want your beer flavored beer? Well, you know, a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a beer color, please. Or, yeah. That. <laughs> That's what I'm saying about the marketing of beers. It's all smoke and mirrors. I'm sorry. They would lead you to believe that hazy IPA is like the really most popular style, but then you can, I can show you my sales and that is certainly not the case. So. True. Well, I'm glad that we don't have an entire series where we're talking about hazy IPAs. <laughs> oh, right. Right on. As a consumer, 
me personally, I go hard in the paint come September 1st into Oktoberfest beer. So by the time... Do people know what that means, hard in the paint? That means like to do well in basketball in the small spot that's... Oh, I thought it was a Sherman Williams thing. No, yeah. Eve Gordon is a painter. Sherman Williams. I've never so heard of this, this company. This, this has I, layers. That's the one that, that's the one that, that raises the south, right? I go deep, deep into the paint. Uh, deep, fuck. What? Deep in the bag. <laughs> Yeah. Deep into the bag, deep into the bag on Oktoberfest beers starting September first. So by the time yeah. mid to late October rolls around, I'm burnt out yeah. and I just want something else. Yep. And then you get into darker beer season and those yeah, and then delicious the stouts porters. and the porters. Yep. The best and, season. Yeah. Well, Casey, how about you? What have you been doing beer related? Oh, uh, beer related. Honestly, not a ton. Um, mm. But I did buy a house, so oh. the studio's moving. That's a whole. That's a whole thing. Um, how many yeah. miles away is it moving? Uh, a mile and a half. Uh, <laughs> uh, God damn it! Uh, but to in a completely different county. Everybody, uh, yes. come yes. over and bring a skateboard, and we'll move Casey. Are you? Yeah. What county are we in right now? Uh, we're in St. Croix. Oh, you're Croix. He'll be moving yeah. to Pierce. Yeah, moving to Pierce. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, taxes are a little cheaper, apparently. Mm-hmm. That's a thing I've learned. Uh, I apparently know adult words like taxes, homeowners insur- insurance, like all these the weird things. And the, and the weirdest words that you are going to know is our swimming pool. Swimming pool. That's right. <laughs> I got and pool money, bitches. We're talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that River Falls pool money. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brian. How much pool money do you have? None. Exactly. <laughs> I, got, I got that n- no pool money. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, so we'll be moving uh, at the end of August. So we're going to try to make it so we don't have any gap in recording. So you guys, it should be seamless for you guys. Uh, but yeah, we'll be... Uh, going from a place that actually has natural light in it, um, and it won't seem so dungeony. So it'll be so it'll be like fun. not a basement. I like the green and blue that we have going on down here. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're not. Are we closer or farther away from a, a cornfield? Uh, we are actually farther away from a cornfield. Shit. And cows too? Uh, no, there's actually. I will no. Uh, well, hang on. I think there might be some cows <laughs> by the high school. <laughs> might we hit a raccoon on the way home? Something. I sure <laughs> fucking hope now that cost me so much <laughs> money. <laughs> <laughs> Casey hits a fucking raccoon, and then I'm laying under his car at like nine o'clock at night. We're bungeeing shit up. We're like trying to like tie his bumper back, and then some people are like, "Are you guys all rat?" We're like, "Yeah, raccoon," and they're like, "Okay." (laughs) That's not. That isn't how people talk. And then two thousand dollars later, I got my car fixed. Clearly, you need to buy my truck from me. Why? Well, because I hit a deer with it going eighty, and it dented my license plate. But did you not hear the part where I just bought? A house. He's a pool. My truck's gonna like. <laughs> do you have some Starbucks gift cards? Don't because that's any... about all it's worth. Okay, you can't I mean, afford your truck. He's trying to afford a pool. Can't afford Starbucks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, I got a slum at Caribou. Starbucks. All right, nobody brewery. wants to hear this. Not our patrons. Our patrons <laughs> don't want to hear this. Nobody wants. To I don't want to hear it. Uh, no. So that's uh, that's kind of where I've been at. I'm um, trying to figure out like what the new brewery is gonna look like or the new like brewing area is gonna look like. Right, studio like brewing yeah. area. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, but Gordon's here. Gordon, have you been up to anything beer-related? Nothing crazy. Uh, All right, just... sounds good. Let's dive into the show. <laughs> <laughs> did a cabin trip last week, and we did a bottle share and got to try some stuff out of North Dakota and kind of northern Minnesota, areas that don't reach down here. And that was a lot of oh, fun. Oh, nice. A lot of Drecker beers. 
A lot of Drekker. Drekker is like they're they're doing some interesting stuff. Their their sour program yep. is awesome. Um, so we actually have a homebrew going yeah, around right but now. But an amber lager is what keeps their brewery alive, from what I hear. So uh, what's the beer that we have going? Uh, on all right, here? so this is uh, so during the during like so I'm packing shit up and like going through stuff, and I found a few bottles of this lambic that was brewed. Oh God. Five years ago. Oh my God. Um, Is that this, what we're drinking right now? Yeah. This uh, we did. There was a like a quad decoction. It was it was a ten hour long brew day that I hated every minute of, and I ended up with the beer for some reason. Is this the uh, what I dubbed the lemon drop lambic that you yep. gave me a while back? Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I figured like we haven't had a homebrew on the show for a while because the kegerator's been down. So this was a good opportunity to bust this out. Um, yeah, so I, I don't have the recipe in front of me that's lost to the annals of time. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, my first, my first smell I get, I mean, it's very like Barney, you know, which is probably what you, you know. Oof. Yeah. Big Tim. Barnyard. Pretty sharp. Very sharp. Would normally mm-hmm. blend this down, probably. Yep. Mm-hmm. I get a little of like ha- like ham. Well, ham. Mm-hmm. Ham. Yeah. Ham broth. Salt. Mm, salty. Yeah. Ham. Yeah. Is there any a lot of is there like any coriander or anything in this? No, no. This is straight malt. Yeah. I don't know what. Maybe cheese or ham or so. There's some something, salt. Like something, something like salty. Yeah. Pro- like Not salt. That you put salt or, in it, but yeah, is. it has that perception. Yeah. I actually like it. I so you gave me a bottle of it in 2018, and that oh, was it that long ago already. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, it, actually, it might have been 2017. Um, but I remember having that is like taking a handful of those lemon drop candies and the shoving them all in your mouth at the same time, overpowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it it's mellowed a little. Yeah, bit. I don't because I don't get that at all. Yeah, it's much. I I think it's much more drinkable. It's much more palatable. It's not nearly as puckery as mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, really. Which is which is weird. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it it's like, also another two years on. Make it, your so. jowls sore, pucker. Back then. Mm. But yeah. What's the ABV on it? Uh, I think it's like five. Yeah. Um, but it was literally the worst brew day. Uh, I not like <laughs> I I've done a triple brew day. And I would take that over this brew day. I was going to say on because, a scale of one to big oath. Uh, I would take two big oaths back to back over this day because it was a 10-hour brew day of multiple decoctions. <laughs> and it sucked. Uh, decoction mashing, for those of you who don't know, basically you take some of the mash out and you boil it for a bit. And then you do that a bunch. Mm-hmm. There's some science behind it, but it sucks. Yeah, there's a lot of history around decoction malting, and there's. And I think have we talked? About, I haven't talked about this or mashing. I'm sorry, I don't think we've. Uh, Ethan, my co-brewer, and I have talked about this a lot. About um, you know, a lot of times they were using decoction malting mashing in order to um, get some flavors out of the malt. That when, when he was down in. Well, just in general, we've had conversations. Where, and, was he brewing not Guatemala because I was in Guatemala. Uh, was brewing. it Costa Rica? Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's this, I think there's a, there's a, and we, this, I don't know if this is an episode that you've done, but there's kind of a, a, a two, two different thought processes we, we, with We've this touched on but I don't know if we've actually done now, it back. Now, 
malts are so well malted that you can utilize specialty malts in order to kind of get the same yeah. effects of um, the decoction mash. Yeah, you don't have to worry about yeah. that under modification yep. of yep. especially yeah. like Pilsner malt and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and I've actually, when I was, you know, I don't do any home brewing anymore, but when I was, I was I, I always wanted to kind of experiment with doing two, two of the same beers, um, one with decoction decoction mashing and in the, the other with you know some specialty malts that could kind of emulate that just to see if there was a, a, just a big to see if there difference. was a difference yeah i remember you doing an episode you and uh miles about decoction decoction yep yeah way i know back when i know frederickson kept trying to he was like you you're not a real home brewer until you've done a decoction mash <laughs> and he kept trying to give me his little his ladle <laughs> i think he just wanted me to like have that pain because <laughs> that's his style. Like you're, you're not a real thing until you've experienced yeah. the pain that I've done. Right. I'm like, no, no, Mike. I'm just smarter than you. <laughs> that's a low bar to step over. All right, hi, Mike. So today we are talking about Oktoberfest, um, which was alluded to a little bit earlier. Um, and I thought about this because you guys had brewed yours uh, beginning in July, and now mm-hmm. we're we're ending out July. We're into August now. Um, and fast beer is becoming a thing. Yep. So I would say within the next couple of weeks, we'll start seeing pretty much, you know, I mean, like, you know, within the, yeah, by, by the end of August, you start seeing that on the shelf. Yeah, as, I think so. Yep. Um, We're so what, um, why, wait, what? Oh, I got to turn my Wi-Fi on. <laughs> uh, I was like, I can't do this. All right. So Brian, the- Brian, in, in, in your, in your own words, like what is fast beer? What is fest like beer? To, to you, like when when you think Oktoberfest, what what springs to mind? Oh, I, well, I feel like if you're talking about Octo- Oktoberfest, is different than a fest beer. Though. Well, fest beer is well, an October any Oktoberfest beer is defined as fest beer. So according to the new guidelines, yes. according to the new guidelines. Oh, okay, cool. Then it's a Maritzen to me, and yeah. it's M A R Z E N with an umlaut over the A, which, from what I've been told or looked up or have heard over the years and the time I have spent in Germany, uh, it's Märzen. And it, it's a, it's about as opposed a, to Marzen. Uh, sure. So, yeah. I mean, if someone actually knows to say Marzen and they say it that way, that means they've, they've read it, but not heard it spoken out yeah. loud. It's mm-hmm. like that for a lot of words. It's like, well, I'm glad you know that word. You know, I know you've only read it and not heard it you know anyway long story short uh what is it to me it's a like about a five to six percent orange lager mm-hmm. um you're, you're looking at two row vienna munich uh aromatic uh a fat merits and lager strain or any kind of real german you know lager strain that's going to enhance the, you know what you were looking for here is a is a in an, a fat lager yeast strain flavor yeah um along with some some nice layered um, German um, specialty malts. Anything you'd like to add to that, Katie? Uh, I th- I think that a good a good and I agree with the 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 Meritzen. Um, I think it should be an orange lager. Uh, I think Pilsner could also be utilized. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. But yep. I think it should. I mean, be, two, uh, two, I, I'm sorry if I say two row. It's Pilsners. No. What's in there? Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that the flavor should be you know obviously it's lightly hopped, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
Good call. Toasty, maybe a little bit of caramely, mm-hmm. some nut qualities to it, I think are important in a good Oktoberfest. Many layers of those things that Katie said, definitely. <laughs> Gordon, when I say Oktoberfest, what springs to mind for you? For me, I like, on the commercial scale, I like the malty, mm. malt-flavored forward ones. The I've had a few that are really, really dry and almost kind of like, that's it. Unacceptable. And I think, yeah. and I actually think that that's a good point to bring up. Is there is, I think there's a spectrum because I would, I would describe the other end as like a kind of a, like a crisp dry, which I actually prefer in an Oktoberfest. Um, you know, I think Oktoberfests are meant to be, you know, kind of pounders. You can like, if you, I've never been to Oktoberfest in Germany, but you, from what I've heard, it's a lot of a lot of drinking and a lot of pounding beer. So you got to have something that isn't going to feel heavy and cloying. And yeah, right, right. All the things. I so for me, like I, I feel like we've we've touched on a lot of the important things. At least for me, like I think Oktoberfest, like a a malty German lager, high drinkability. Um, Oktoberfest, uh, like the the beer that springs to mind immediately when somebody says Oktoberfest is Staghorn from New Glarus. Oh yeah. Um mm-hmm. that's like that's a super classic is in that, this area. Is that on the more malty or I it's I it's, mean I've, it's, I've it's, it ton, it's, it's it's on it's on the more malty but mm-hmm. it finishes fairly dry. Yeah. Yeah. Um some, I've noticed some years are more malty than others yeah. and some yeah. down we had well and then dry. I had to take a year off of Staghorn because we bought uh, we bought the multiple kegs one year. Um so we we it, there's an entire story listen to some old <laughs> I'll, I'll tell it off air to people who haven't heard it here, but yeah, it's it's some old it's some old lore. I remember the fact 20. that you just said I had to take a year off from Staghorn just piqued my interest. I I <laughs> we I drank Staghorn for like three months. Really? <laughs> I don't know, little small correction. Um, talking uh, 2015 BJCP style. Yep. Guideline. We're looking at uh, style four pale multi European yep, lager. Four B. 4B, and I believe we're talking about 6A. Um, well, so they both they both mention Oktoberfest in them. This one says oh. less intense and less richly toasted, which is a keyword that Katie uses, than a Meritzen. Mm-hmm. So, so I get this, so this fast beer is more... Your fest beer is definitely like light toast bread dough, uh, and yeah. is more yellow than orange. Well, and so I, I kind of want to touch on that too. Uh, the perception or the 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 name Oktoberfest has uh, like an Oktoberfest style beer. If people think that's fest has beer. become has become such a big spectrum. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and then if you look at the comment section of this uh, BJCP, it says modern domestic German Oktoberfest versions are golden. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, refers to the Fest beer. And then it says American craft beer versions of Oktoberfest are generally based on this Meritzen style. So I mean, so yeah, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm glad that Casey was like, hey, what do you think, blah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when you, yeah. and it's like, well, there's, I guess there's a spectrum. But yeah. for me, it's amber, malty European mm-hmm. lager. Yeah, well, and that's, and that's, I, 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 I like that you, like, everybody kind of has their own idea of what it should be because that's kind of what it's turned into. Um, here in the states, at least. Um, even then, like, even if you start looking at like, uh, if you even start looking at like modern Oktoberfest in Munich, like, it's not just a single style of beer that they're serving anymore. It's you know, yeah, just because of the way beer has kind of evolved over the years. But um, so let's let's kind of focus in on that Meritzen style because I think that's the classic. That's like what a lot of a lot of people. When when they're when we're talking about um, 
an Oktoberfest style beer. Like that's kind of what springs to mind. That malty, that 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 slight that that on the darker side. Mm-hmm. I actually think that now that we've kind of gotten into this is I think that American or you know the U.S. versions of Oktoberfest are sort of a a, a mashup a little bit of of Meritzens and Fest beers. I think that right, they, and then they're they certainly have that color, but they're also that crisp, dry, mm-hmm. for, you know, difference. Yep. And that you know, some breweries are doing them a little bit more malty, but other brewers are doing them lighter tasting. But I I think the color that amber orange yeah. beer is still sort of the the key. I just think bit. they're also across all across the board are very different, but. There, there's one key. They're there's one key that I think more like highly hopped. I well, believe is no, what you're well, going to say. Well, no, uh, drinkability. I yeah. think they all have that in common. Yeah. Oktoberfest, like it's meant to be drank in quantity, mm-hmm. and so if you're doing an Oktoberfest, I feel like that's the that's like the one thing you need to nail down. Um, it needs to be like medium in ABV, no more than, I mean, six percent, and probably on your high end. But something that you can crush a bunch of. And I think that's one of the few times I'm going to come off my heel of beer should be high ABV. Is that I like a, <laughs> I like an Oktoberfest that's four and a half, five percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. five and a half really Everything is the high extreme. end that I'm Where you can have like. two liters. Gordon, Minimal. to the extreme. Uh, but from an appearance standpoint, if we're talking about a Meritzen and not a Fest beer, amber orange to deep reddish copper color should not be golden says it right in the style guidelines bright clarity obviously because we're talking about a german lager here persistent off white foam stand i like how they say foam stand here in the guidelines but and then if you if you're sort of like looking at the aroma we're we're talking about a beer that is inherently malty inherently should have layers so we're talking about a moderate moderate intensity of german malt rich bready toasty light bread crust Mm mm-hmm and then clean lager fermentation character. So no hop aroma we're talking about here, unless we're in the. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm thinking if it's an American version, I'm. It's not appropriate for the BJCP guidelines and six A Meritzen. But if there is a little bit more highly hopped in an American version, I would expect that. That's just how she goes. I think I have had uh, Meritzen Oktoberfest, um, uh, you know, dom- um, domestic versions of those, and there, you know, there might some of them may, may have even been either dry hopped or late edition hops, but they use hops that still blend well with the style. So mm-hmm. it's usually, you know, continental, you know, Hollertau, all those. Or they'll they'll use an American hop just at just enough quantities that it still complements the style really well, but kind of makes it a, a little bit more American. Yep. So then when we're piggybacking on this whole like drinkable thing, the consensus I'm getting from the table here is that a drier finish is inherently more drinkable so your initial malt flavor in this type of beer is going to lend more towards sweetness but it should finish moderate dry to dry mm-hmm. yeah um very very much distinctive and complex maltiness includes bready um like like toast like katie was saying yep. and so the point i'm trying to make here is that i said all those different ways to describe that type of malt we're talking about layers here okay so yeah Yep, for sure. Yeah, you want to be you want to go back for a second sip, and if it's if it if it isn't dry and crisp enough, you're not going to want to feel like yeah. you're going to do that. It's going to be smaller sips and less of them. All right, so that's that's kind of what a fest beer is. How do we brew a good one? 
Like, <laughs> if you're, well, and then, like, oh, we're, we're talking generalities yeah. here. Like, this this is more of just kind of a fun conversation about yeah, Oktoberfest. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, honestly, I was more intrigued about this entire thing just to kind of see what everybody thought. And, like, Brian was very hard Meritson. Mm-hmm. Gordon's just like, give me brown beer that tastes good. Hey, no, um, no. <laughs> I, like, I like that I if, if I pour a bottle or a can out, it should be that orange copper color. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I see it too dark or too light, then I immediately start to question whether it's an Oktoberfest or yeah. not. Yeah. And what is this going to taste like? So, um, so I guess for me, like if I if I go to brew an Oktoberfest on the homebrew level, I'm immediately looking at Vireman from all of my wa- malts. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking German. Yep. Um, I'm going to use you know an Oktoberfest blend of yeast, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, it has to be a lager. You can't get away from that. Like you, like so it's it's out of the realm for a lot of beginning brewers who don't have that temperature control. Right. Yeah, and so I mean, you're, you're from an ingredient standpoint, your grist is going to vary here, your, your malt is going to vary here. But I'm I'm just going to throw this out here: if there if you don't have Munich in <laughs> in the beer, you're doing something wrong. I will uh, say though, so going back to the Munich yeast, malt, I'm sorry, I didn't. I, if you're a yep. beginner, I'm talking about a specific variety of malt. The, going back to yeast and fermentation temperatures, you know, a lot a lot of home brewers just don't have the ability to lager. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, a former colleague and friend of mine. He um, judged, you know, best Oktoberfest in Minnesota was kind of the thing. And so a bunch of breweries across the state of Minnesota um, entered their beers. And the winner was a, it was actually an ale. Oh, so, really? You know, if you if you if you have the ability to or, you know, maybe it's a, a hybrid. You could, you know, if okay. you have the ability as a home brewer to um, keep your fermentation temperatures low, low enough and use a, a, a good, clean ale yeast. You can you can emulate an Oktoberfest well enough. Um, yeah. And again, that was based on, you know, he had a great palate and he was working with a, a, a number of people that had had really great palates. So it's it is not out of the question to to I mean, it isn't technically an Oktoberfest, right? It's well, it's, it's an ale at that point. Right. But still, you know, you can get those flavors. That it's you're looking it's for. in the spirit of it. It's like, in the spirit of an Oktoberfest. Yeah. yeah. I think you can get the malt flavors fine, but the yeast character is going to be lacking. And so maybe yeah. the rest of the beers in there just had shit lager character and the ale one is what shines like had or this is a really good ale yeah. why do you got to look yeah. on the negative brian well i will i will t- i will tell you that i, mean, I don't i don't I'm feel not, like i don't I, feel like that I'm was not, a negative statement I, what i feel like is that i've done a shitload of beer judging and i have very very many many times written on the overall comments hey this is not a bad beer it's not a bad recipe it is not too style and I am sitting here judging by this yep. style guideline. And well, so but and we're talking well, about and that's style, and that's the best then part. That's the wrong way to do. It. We are now looking at two different style guidelines. Right, you're looking at Meritson only, and I'm looking at Fest exactly. beer. Exactly, and <laughs> which I, and, I love this style for that reason. And, and and you know the other thing is is that this this competition was these were ju- these were BJCP judges that knew what an Oktoberfest should taste like and this was the beer that won that right that, i've never that, not that year, i've know? never not judged a BJCP contest yeah it's that's the only ones i've ever done so all right um yeah so i, I guess uh to kind of put a button on this before we move into uh listener mail real quick um brian if you had to like uh, nutshell, like two tips to give a brew or give a home brewer to make a good Oktoberfest. What are they? Heavy Munich, use an appropriate yeast style. 
right. Katie, if, if you can log her. If you can't, then go the ale route and and listen, like rewind a little bit to what Katie said, which was to um, try to get the ale temp as you know, low as possible, cold yeah. as you can go with your setup and how your okay yeah. home brewery works because. You know, that's why I like that Katie brought that up because we're inevitably here. If I'm if I'm a home brewer and I'm just listening to this podcast like I did with the homebrew podcast I listened listened to that many years ago, mm-hmm. I would have been like, well, immediately screw you guys because I can't logger. So mm-hmm. I think I think you know um, the two things: Munich and then. Try your best to pick an appropriate yeast strain and try to keep it at something clean. Something yeah. mm-hmm. the cleaner the better. I mean, you're gonna like lager yeast is. I would say if you're. It's a very use, distinct. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm looking at the Oktoberfest. This is the I think the White Labs, at, and it's I mean it's a lager yeast. What is it? Yeah, the range. Uh, for temperature. Yeah. Uh, fifty. 52 to 58 yeah. for that beer. Yeah. So, so tough. I, 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 I yeah. actually, uh, that's what I pitched yesterday. But, but we'll it talk talks about, about you know, with the yeast, I, just, I think, man, I think the, pitch Chico at the low. log. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you, if you, if you <laughs> like, can't, if you can't pitch uh, a log, if you can't ferment at that temperatures, just do the, the Chico or yeah. American ale strain or whatever and get it as low as you possibly can. And it, it, you know, it isn't going to be the same as a, as a good crisp, true American or, um, Oktoberfest lager, but you'll get there somehow. Um, right. Yeah, clean yeast. I think. I mean, clean kind of, yeast. Yeah, clean yep. yeast yeah. is the biggest if, thing. If you can't, you're if using you can't add the lager yeast flavor from a specific Meritzner Fest beer yeast, then go with something clean so that the other flavors yeah. can shine through. Yeah, and, and also if you're use whether you're using a lager or an ale yeast, over pitch. Oh, Especially good call. If you can't get your temperatures as yep. low as you want them to. Why over pitch for? The, no, you go ahead. I was gonna, well. The, the yeast is just going to be healthier, and it's yep. gonna it's gonna finish out cleaner. Yep. That we're actually, and, we're, and, we're, and we're gonna dig into this a little bit next week. Got it. About, and you're at a colder ooh, temperature, so yeah. there's that. But yep. yeah, anyway, uh, moving on. Oh yeah, about ester production and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh anyway. God, we are gonna go. Into yep. That. That's right. Uh, yeah. So um, I, I think I think that pretty much covers it. Um, yeah. The, the only thing I would add is, especially at the homebrew level, use as many authentic ingredients as you can. Oh. Um, yeah. Like. There is a difference, like when you start buying malts from Weirman and German grown hops mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah, that. Save your like, save your American grown hops for IPAs and pale yeah. ales. Use those classic yeah. continental hops for this beer. All right, let's dive into some listener mail, huh? Hey. Man, we haven't done that in a minute. We haven't. All right, so uh, first one is from uh, Mike Hemmer. Um, I do have one question regarding uh, fermentation temperature. I have two potential places to keep my fermenter. Room A is cooler, averaging about 64 degrees Fahrenheit, but it fluctuates about 3 degrees either way over the course of a day. Room B is a bit warmer, about 68 degrees, but has very little variation in temperature. Both rooms have no UV light exposure. Which would you recommend? If room B, do you think uh, I would need to use a fan or something to help keep the fermenter cooler for the first few days? Um, as always, uh, thanks for the great entertainment. Cheers, Mike. Wow. I mean, this it's for, it's a for, really interesting conundrum for, for being a what? On, okay, so when my first instinct was he starts talking about room A, and I immediately was like, I don't want to talk about room B. Mm-hmm. But then I'm looking at room B, room B, and it's steady mm-hmm. at 68. That sounds a little bit initially sounds a little bit more um, appropriate. However. 
I have seen core temperatures in excess of 10 degrees. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with room A personally. Um, Because it's cooler. Right. And if you only had room B, I would recommend a fan with a wet... Swamp cooler. Mm-hmm. So a swamp cooler. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, I'm going to just keep it that simple, and that's yeah. that's where I'm going to leave it. And I would actually be curious about if he had a way to to use room B with keeping a wet towel wrapped around that fermenter. That's, uh, so that's and a like, fan on it, and just see what that core temperature looks like. That might so, be a better uh, So I, I'm going to leave my so shit. So I, I, I went no, with, I, I was, uh, I was, in, in my direct response to Mike, I went with room B. Mm-hmm. If he can do a swamp cooler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, I think room A is better. Like, that three-degree fluctuation, like, it's going both ways. Like, it's not great. Mm -hmm. But... I see why he hit up the round table here. Because I don't know if we made his life easier or if we made it, made it more complicated <laughs> but, but, you know, but, I know you might Mike Hammer you let us know you let us know him dog but Brian you know Brian mentioning <laughs> that that core temperature of of you know if you have a if you have a beer fermenting actively in a in a in a room that's 68 degrees you're guaranteed if you don't have some sort of cooling that the the center of that beer is probably 82. Yep. That's yeah. why you got to use Kyvik yeast on every, yeah. you know, or it, maybe, it is, maybe, maybe 75. It is. I, I can't stress enough how active the yeast are and how much it looks like. I mean, I'm sure most of you have seen this, but I, re, I just in particular remember brewing a like brown ale like t- 10 years ago or something and then throwing an English yeast in it and the activity, just the, just the sheer like activity uh-huh. of everything flying around. And it's like, those are yeast doing stuff right now. Yeah, they are doing that on their own. There is no current. There is not. I'm not moving the carboy. No. I'm not sloshing anything around. And you're watching these yeast cells just fucking. It's just like fly it's like you around. shake. You know, you shake. You shake something. Shake a, a, a protein a glass shake. Ma- a glass of yeah, exactly. And all that powder, stuff swirls like, around. That's yeah. And I mean, you know, this is pretty basic. But the byproducts of yeast fermentation are obviously alcohol. CO2 and that's why you need airlocks but heat that's the that's the, the third Hugely byproduct heat. and the heat and that's why uh, professional breweries have glycol jacketed fermenters because well want to control that as much beyond as the jacketing the tanks are engineered in a certain way to displace and not create a convection you know, phase it's, exactly right? create mm-hmm. convection yeah um, yeah, and so that's, and that's why on the temperature on your jacketing if you want to really get crazy about this that's why you the top jacket's colder than the bottom jacket yeah so, because it drives it back down. Mm-hmm. Very, very fun. Uh, so, Mike, I hope we uh, we didn't confuse you more. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, and then the, our our second our second uh, response here um, is from a black belt patron, Bjorn Bjornson. Oh snap! Our favorite. Uh, yes. Uh, so, Bjorn um, took it as a challenge when we were talking about uh, spigots versus auto siphons the other day. That's why we like him. Yes, it is. Oh, I'm brand, uh, I'm brand new and can't shut off my phone. <laughs> so uh, I'm somewhat surprised of your hate for spigots and love of auto siphons. For me, it's the other way around. If your spigot is under the troub level, uh, you just put something under the front of your fermentation bucket and the troub will collect in the back and the spigot is now free of troub. As I mentioned, uh, spigots are dirt cheap and you may install more than one spigot on your fermentation bucket. If you put one low and slightly higher, in the case of a higher true level, uh, you put one low and one slightly higher in case of a higher true level. 
There are no uh, finite number of spigots you may install on a fermentation bucket. That's my favorite sentence of this blurb because I'm I immediately I imagine a, a bucket with that just like spigots all the way up. Only spigots. <laughs> or, or what you did, like yeah. she just yeah, you just like, like it twirled it around. Like a spiral of it's a spigots. Spiral. All the way up. <laughs> uh, that bucket uh, would empty quickly, and, uh, and it would be like Fantasia. It yeah. would be amazing. <laughs> uh, cleaning of a spigot is way easier than an auto siphon. A spigot you can uh, pull apart and soak uh, in some PBW and then boil it and like completely air dry uh, or completely air dry, add some lube and reassemble. Uh, clean and basically sterile. An auto siphon is fragile and difficult to get clean and there is also tubing that needs to be cleaned. The rubber washer thing that creates the auto siphon action gets brittle over time and will stop working. And according to experience in Murphy's Law, it will stop working at the worst possible moment. I will say that. Yeah. True. That I every time a an auto siphon has failed on me, it's in the middle of a transfer. That's fine. I just don't think you should keep an auto uh, an auto siphon long enough for anything to get brittle. Well, and yeah, and that's 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 the other thing. Um, all right. After a few brews, I stopped transferring uh, beer into a bottling bucket just bottled from the primary. Um, and two sugar cubes in each uh, half-liter bottle results in just about the perfect carbonation. For most beer styles, there's nothing worse than trying to get the auto-siphon action going while pressing the bottling wand. Uh, yeah, so um, here, here's my thing. I, like, if I'm bottling, I'm always going into the bottling bucket from the auto-siphon because I like, I like the spigot in the bottling bucket. That's where the spigot shines for me because... Of all the things Bjorn has said. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a lot easier. (laughs) It's like, you don't have to fiddle with the auto siphon and try to get that flow going, especially with the, like, if you're you're stopping and starting that flow all the time, that's a pain in the ass. Well, that's why when you guys were talking about, like, the the racking cane, I'm like, well, you still got to stick your mouth on it and like the racking cane is like what's sanitary about that no the racking cane is dumb we can all agree that (laughs) i mean other than the racking cane being made out of stainless steel and have using countless racking arms to jam in the bottom of a conical tank to to unstick the tube or you know like well that's what they're good for racking canes (laughs) oh i mean i turned mine into a counterflow or counterflow uh, filler. Like, I thought you were gonna say use it to like hit Carlos with and tell yeah. him. You know, oh no, that's yeah, why I use the, the plastic clean one. Clean the bathroom. Please leave, leave, leave two remarks. The uh, the the stainless racking canes. Uh, you know, I, it's been five years since I've worked at Northern Brew, and those were discontinued. That that's not even. Yeah, no, only ever use those to unstick yeah. two inch ports on the bottom of a <laughs> sixty barrel tank. Yeah. Like, come on, I gotta rack this. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so it's so, for caning, is what you say. Correct. I, you know, I like I like his, um, you know, his mentioning um, installing a, another spigot a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that out is, of the out of the tree. You know, totally. And, and I sense. also like how he he says, you know, taking the whole thing apart. I think that's one thing that, you know, it's it's an easy step to miss. You're you're getting ready to beer and you look and you're like, oh, everything looks clean. You should you really need. I mean, we do that on on commercial level. We every time we we clean and sanitize a, a tank we take the valves off and we take the you know the the rubber tri-clamps uh the gaskets out and we replace them with fresh ones and all the things it's really important you can't just expect that 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 spigot is going to be clean within the gaps between mm-hmm. you know where those rubber gaskets are so. well and then you know even even then what we're talking about is some some plastic equipment that 
is going to have, you know, uh, like we keep saying, and I'm going to keep saying it, and we're all going to keep saying Microabrasion. it. Microabrasion. Microabrasion. Yeah. Don't use green scratchy pads. In mm-hmm. fact, don't use scratchy pads at all. You're better off just getting in there with your hands and, like, cleaning every little bit with your PBW is granular mm-hmm. enough to handle that. Yeah. That said... I, or a good soak with PBW. Or a good soak with PBW. Yeah. Like, th- that said, like, you know, you got to be careful with all that stuff. Inspect it and swap it out frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, like it was I, I really like hearing his perspective on this because he brought a lot of really good points for oh, totally. the spigots. Yeah. Um, that said, I still like my racking can. I'm not going to lie. Like, I really so, like racking can. can we bring up the com- <laughs> I guess conversation I that we were at the garage earlier and we were talking about this email and and it kind of came to the conclusion that's like, OK, is, is it is it a spigot or a racking cane? And the Earth. answer is <laughs> wrong. Just start kegging. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that's 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 for the bottling side. Yeah. Oh, no, for God. sure. Yeah. But even like, yeah. No. A hundred and ten percent. Like. I mean, you still got to try. I suppose you still need to have a spigot or a racking cane. Oh, or yeah. Like, or an auto siphon. Yeah. Do do it, hey. Stop. I'm sorry. Auto siphon. But stop going whatever. with the cheap and labor intensive optioning. <laughs> and go, you know, sorry. Like, yeah. Come on, Gordon. Go spend more money on this <laughs> yeah. on your hobby. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I I've I bottled. Four or five years worth of my apple pie moonshine, and it's about twenty to twenty-two bottles every time. Mm-hmm. And every single year, I tell myself I just need to fucking keg this. Yep. But at the same time, kegging a hundred ninety proof apple pie are you, seems like wait, a bad idea. Are you the one that does the apple pie with the red? Like, in I have a bottle of apple pie on top of my refrigerator. Oh yeah, that's red wax. Yeah. It has the red wax? Yeah. Oh, I still have that bottle. I haven't gotten uh, into it's that. It's two years old. Give it another year and it's really hit its stride. Really? Shit's I forgot about it until I was trying to hide something from one of our ki- our kids. <laughs> I was I was Stop drinking eating it. my chips. That, I was drinking it by the pint one year at the cabin. Oh fuck. After oh. I said Don't drink I brought it, it out to the table at the cabin. I said, This is shot strength. Treat it as such, oh, and I watch every boy, everybody pour a pint. I'm like, oh, Jesus oh, Christ, it's Gordon's fault. Maybe I'll bring that to Madeline Island just to surprise everyone <laughs> in oh. September. Yeah, we can surprise. Compare. I got some, I got some one year old stuff we can compare. All to. right, well, we should get out of here so we yeah. can record yeah. the next one. Shoot, um, all right, yeah, uh, Bjorn, thank you for that. Yeah, because yes. it, as usual, Very Bjorn, thanks, man, awesome. All right, guys. Uh, if you'd like to support us, head over to patreon.com slash blindercities and come back here today. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and choose an email and feedback at blindercities.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindercities. You can follow us on Twitter at blindercities.com. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.